Hi, everyone. Welcome to Hold My Ice Coffee podcast. And today I have a very special guest, Sheila Yelding. And I have never actually met Sheila in person, but I love listening to her podcast. She is on Anchor and her podcast is called um, Little Novice. Yeah. And um, she she is so encouraging and vulnerable and I just always love listening to her podcast and I connected with her first in a podcast support group and we um because we (laughs) that sounds like we're alcoholics or something but we um kind of encourage each other and give each other ideas on Facebook so I saw that she was sharing her stories of church abuse and I reached out to her because of that and then began to like have some dialogues with her and stuff. So I was really impressed with how open she is about sharing things that she struggles with and sharing that with her listeners and connecting with people because of these shared stories. And that's where my heart is. So I loved it and I love connecting with her. And she was the first person I thought of when I wanted to connect with people to kind of give us insight to what's going on and how all of the recent events feel in the black community because I know Sheila's very brave about just being vulnerable and open about how it feels from her perspective so um I want to um, get you guys, I want to let you guys know um, a little bit about her. And before she starts talking, we do have another area where we both, uh, Sheila and I are, have a lot in common in that she also used to dream of being a rapper. Um, <laughs> and she was little Sheila when I was a teenager, many years before her, I, uh, my rapper name was Thea. And I was pretty sure that it was going to go places. And I wrote some, some raps and, um, had a lot of things working against me, like my accent and my voice and my lack of talent. (laughs) But other than that, my name, I liked it. (laughs) So I didn't get past the name, but Sheila, I talked about, I want to her podcast that she uh, had dreamed of being a rapper and that her name was going to be little Sheila. And I was like, Oh, (laughs) So you want to tell us about little Sheila? <laughs> <laughs> it was, I was very inspired by little Bow Wow, little Romeo <laughs> as a kid and watching the movie like Mike just set it in stone that, you know, I can be just like that because I love basketball too, <laughs> but it didn't go far. <laughs> <laughs> but it went further than Thea's career. So. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, but I do really thank you for being on the podcast today and welcome and thank you for uh, being willing to share with my listeners. And I'm going to um, shift gears really quickly and kind of jump into some hard topics. And I I want to talk to you about or I want you to talk to us about how the events of the past few weeks are affecting you personally and the community and your community and the people that you care about and just how seeing the the death of George Floyd how that impacted you and how it felt from your perspective and and I know these are really hard questions for you to talk about and I appreciate your vulnerability in that and 
I want those of us listening to to not move past this too quickly. It makes us uncomfortable, and I want us to sit with that uncomfortableness for a while, and I want us to grieve and grieve with our fellow human beings who have seen this, our, our brothers and sisters who have felt these things. And I want us to, to let ourselves go there and feel that for a while and grieve with them and let it connect us so that we don't have to feel this again. So, um, Sheila, I'm going to let you talk and you share what you have to share that's on your heart and, I'm trying to not jump in and interrupt you because I like talking, <laughs> but please just share with us what's on your heart. Um, um, I remember the day it was, I was just getting off work and I was scrolling on Facebook and my uncle had shared a post and I clicked it and then it linked to the video and instantly I just felt numb. And I just thought to myself, it was like, I don't know. It just felt surreal. Like I knew it was real. Like it didn't surprise me because I mean, it's a lot of, a lot of people, you know, you know, we've seen this before. We've seen someone that's unarmed that, you know, just doesn't get their fair trial in court. But for me, I don't know. It was just. I don't know it was just like the tip of an iceberg because I already felt like um it was very stressful dealing with the COVID and then finding out that African Americans are you know being um affected more um as far as like the whole unemployment and then the actual COVID-19 especially if you have pre-existing conditions like hypertension and um diabetes so it's like African-Americans have been, you know, affected from that. And then that just right there just was like, it just felt like a weight was on my chest and I immediately cried. And then I ended up, like, I immediately texted my husband. I was like, they killed another one of us. And they all, all the person can do was record because it was four officers there. And if they would have, you know, tried to intervene, what would have happened to them? And I just felt so disgusted. And then I found out that it was over a forged, I don't know if it was a forged check or a, a counterfeit $20 bill. Regardless, it wasn't like he shot up a school or something. It wasn't nothing that was just so heinous and like malicious. It wasn't nothing that was just so vile and evil. Because, you know, he didn't even get his time in court. I just felt like... If we're supposed to be innocent until proven guilty, why do you treat us like we're guilty? Because if you, if, if an officer, officer or someone higher up like Congress or people, you know, with white collar jobs, they get that whole presumed to be innocent. But if you're poor, if you're a minority, especially if you're black, you automatically get, oh, you're guilty. And, and I'm like, how? Then hearing him scream, and I just immediately just felt like I, it was just so much. And then my friends, when my friends called, and we talked about it. And then I, I tried taking a break from social media because, you know, you keep seeing a video, and the whole 
helpless feeling. The person recording it felt helpless. And then we're watching it and we feel helpless. And hear, hearing him cry for his mom and it's like, and then just the, the, the facial, facial expression of all of them was just so nonchalant. Like this was just another day for them. And no one even cared to check his pulse. And I don't, you know, from our perspective of viewing the video, it didn't even look like he was resisting. It just looked like he was just trying to squirm so he can breathe. He didn't have a weapon on him. And it's just like, why? But yeah, it's just, it's been very traumatizing and it just makes you, you know, feel helpless. But that's mostly how I've been feeling lately, just helpless and just hurt. So what would you, I'm sorry, I'm like, I'm trying to, I'm, I'm sitting here just feeling all of these things. And so, so, uh, it's hard. It's hard to, to hear you say those things and, and to, um, to think about, you know, for you and, and your community, it's, it wasn't just some guy. It was like, that could be your husband or your brother or, and, and to know, to imagine how that feels for you. And, and it is easier for me as a white person to kind of remove myself from it and, and feel like, you know, not go there with those feelings and, and feel and hearing what all you're feeling. And I don't want to do that, but I also want to know how can I help? Like what, what could I and people that I, uh, in my sphere of influence, what can we do to help you, uh, as we move forward? I feel like, um, voting prayers and actually going through, you know, reading, you know, black literature and watching, you know, I, like movies that were are very impactful, like the Malcolm X movie. The Color Purple movie was very influential as well. Watching, I don't know, just, I don't, we just want to be believed. I feel like it's been very difficult in the past because people who aren't experiencing the discrimination, racism, and violence, it seems like a fairy tale, and and when when we when we experience it, it's real to us. But when you have this veil veil over your eyes, because you know you've never seen it, it's hard. It's hard. That's just like it's just like a magic trick. Like we're trying to show you, but it just seems like magic. It doesn't seem believable because it's how can a system be this problematic and terrible but for you guys it's not i feel like it takes voting you know to vote um voting locally um volunteering in the community as whether it's the boys and girls club or a homeless shelter or you know visiting um 
lower income schools because personally I I went to a lower income middle school and high school and it was so underfunded but five miles down the road it was another public school but didn't have the percentage of black people that we had and it was it was just a complete opposite the facility the teaching it's like we just we just need support and whether that's just listening to us and listening to how we feel whether it's voting whether it's volunteering whether it's putting your money towards you know um uh, the legal defense of people being arrested or it's putting money towards like you know lower income schools or trying to find fund programs that help with financial literacy funding programs that help with you know act preparation and stuff like that we just we just want to feel we just we don't want to feel less than but we've always been treated less than whether it's you know in the hospital realm a lot of african-american women die giving birth because they're not taken seriously it's like we want to feel we want to feel loved we want to feel human and a lot of times i feel like we're just dismissed but as i stated previously whether it's financial support whether it's taking your time to volunteer to um to um at your school you just have to see it i want people to see it because seeing it on a on your screen is different from actually visiting those areas that are impacted heavily and hearing the stories of the kids and the families that are impacted by you know systemic racism and underfunding of certain communities once you get into the community and once you start hearing their stories then you can spread that to another friend and we can we can form a a never-ending chain of support for one another well i uh i'm kind (laughs) of in tears over here just hearing that that essence of what you have said is that you want to be believed, loved, and to feel human. And I, I, one of the things that I have struggled with, uh, is when I've been hearing the stories of people in my life to realize that they were dealing with these things. And I, as a white person, didn't know. And like, how did I not know? And my, um, children went to a protest and they came back and were telling me about the, the black men standing around, uh, who were like in their fifties and older and they were standing there just watching in disbelief and crying because people were starting to listen. And I was like, how, what I feel like I have to start saying what kept me from hearing my peers? How did I not know? And I, it's hard. It's hard to hear you say these things Um, and, and know that I contributed in some way and I don't want to go forward, uh, 
not believing and not seeing what's happening. And I think that's the big challenge I want everybody to take from this as they listen that we see and we care and maybe we don't fix everything but I uh, refuse to not see it so um <laughs> now I don't know where to go for the next question I'm like just need to go get counseling for us <laughs> um so mm, so another um, thing that you and I have discussed it a little, uh, but you wanted to talk about why is this issue so complex? From um, from seeing it, seeing the perspective of um, the victims going through the brutality, and then I end up watching a video of an actual officer discussing why sometimes they don't speak up. I um, realized the same intimidation techniques that they use on us will be used on them if they speak up. If if one person, if 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 an officer um, is sees something that's you know someone using excessive force, if their department isn't set up where you can leave an anonymous you know tips, if you have to show your face and say your name and it's going on so strong, you're you're not going to want to say anything. You don't want to lose your job. And I feel like that's terrible. You should be able to leave anonymous, um, anonymous concerns and then it should go through a chain of custody to see what was made of it. And also with the whole training issue, a lot of times They'll go through a psych evaluation just to make sure that they're sane, but they don't go through, they don't have to volunteer in black communities. If I feel like if an officer hasn't been around minorities, they don't really know the struggle of some minorities. So all the stuff that they think is normal, like the microaggression, all the you know, little the little things that end up turning into big things turn into terrible things because they don't have the experience. Experience they should make them volunteer locally and do, you know, volunteer work in the community and see what could be done. How can how can we change? But they don't. They just go through this little cadet camp. They get up and do military, basically military training where they make up their bed. Um, and then some off like if it's been going on in a precinct for so many years, it's normalized. And a lot of officers have normalized this type of behavior because nothing has ever been said. So if we're saying, okay, this doesn't look right, this could have been done differently, they feel like we're attacking them from our perspective, but it's just so normalized that it has to just be changed a complete 180. It just has to change, but it's it's not a it's not a black and white issue. You have to change it, change the training. You have to change the psych evaluation. They should be able to test and do training where they're shooting uh, a sub they're, when they're when they're having a, a potential subject, and they should show a white 
a, a white target versus a black target and see if they're shooting them the same amount of times, if they're in the same predicament. Like you can, you can weed some people out. It's just, they don't think it's an issue because it's normalized. So I think it's just, it's not something we can change overnight, but we have to change something because we're just tired. Yeah, it's it's so difficult and it is complex and it it affects us all when we can't stand together against injustice. That means we're giving the people who are abusive, we're giving them more power. Um so I know one of the things that I enjoy about Sheila's podcast so much is she's always ending on a hopeful note. And she actually encouraged me a lot because uh, I listened to her last podcast and she talked about cancel culture. And um, I was like, I'm kind of doing the thing that she was telling people not to do because I'm like, oh, you don't agree with me. I, we're done here. <laughs> and um, and I listened to her podcast and it's like, oh, wow, I need to keep the dialogue going with people. And I love, love, love that about this young lady. And that's why I wanted her to be on here. And because I know she always leaves us with hope. And so she said, when I talk, I asked her, what do you want to talk about? She said, I want to leave everybody with a positive message of how we can move forward. Um, so I'm going to give her uh, time to do that right now. Um, I it took some strength to find the positive during these times because it was always it was already very stressful seeing the impact of COVID nineteen and the so many people being unemployed and so many people jobs just not resurfacing after this. A lot of these people are losing their jobs and they won't get them back once it's done. But during this time, I've been thinking about and watching the peaceful protest and seeing and seeing the unity. And I've also um, I saw this um, woman named Brianna Taylor. I think that's her name. She was she was also killed in her home. They um, they did. I don't know if they knocked or they did not. They just start shooting in her home and she wasn't actually the suspect they were looking for. And her boyfriend or husband at the time shot back because I believe the officers were in regular clothes and he ended up getting arrested. But thankfully, he, you know, his charge, he was let go. I don't know if, if his charges were dismissed, but in response to her untimely passing, they created this law where I'm going to just read it from the Louisville Police Department. Under this pr proposal, no knock warrants will be limited. To crimes including murder, hostage taking, kidnapping, terrorism, and human trafficking. So her death in, ended up creating a law that will hopefully deter other officers from just just coming in shooting. So I just took the positive that you know we've don't um, millions have been donated to George Ford's family. Um, I believe I think. I don't know if Brianna Taylor has millions of dollars donated to her family, but I think she has, you know, money donated to them as well. But it was 
just nice seeing the unity of the peaceful protest and seeing in my community they held a I think it was called like a unity day where they had voter registration, um, free food, music. And I've just been thinking about how now we're having this opportunity to have an open dialogue. And although it's going to be difficult, it's going to open the door. And that one person who heard the message, saw the people, saw their struggle, they're going to be able to tell their friends. And that's what I think will ultimately change. It's when you tell your friend who's from your same background, whether they're white, and you say, well, I've been in the community and these people, these people just want to be loved and supported and they need our help. And from when you hear it from a, a, a fellow friend, that's going to change your way of thinking. And then you can spread the message to your friend, to your family. And I feel like I've been just trying to focus on that. And I've been just very, very glad that now some of these protesters, when they see people trying to um, tear down businesses, they're stopping it. So it's like I've just been trying to just see the positive because it is very negative right now. Very negative. But in every in everything, there is a positive. <laughs> Yeah. Even if it's hard to find. And once we focus on the positive, and I'm just glad we have cameras now. Because his death wouldn't have been, you know, ingrained in America. Without these ca cameras, he would have passed. And I don't know if they would have taken the eyewitnesses report. We don't know if they would have believed them. But there's no choice to believe. We have cameras. So other instances of excessive force are being recorded. So there is no, oh, okay, he say, she say. It's what the, what does the camera show? So I'm just thankful that our voices cannot be silenced. Because once something is put on the internet, it is there forever. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, and I, I hope that you find this encouraging that I absolutely believe in the power of us sharing our stories and and seeing each other and learning to see outside of our little bubbles but seeing each other and fully seeing each other and I think that is what the power of the early church was and the power of the message of Jesus and that they went around and they saw the the things that were happening in the Roman world were brutal and horrific. And the early church had no political clout or power, but what they did do was go value all the people who were being abused by that system. And they took in children that had been abandoned and they took in slaves that uh, were left on the steps of temples to die. And they saw those people and they brought them into their community and cared for them. And it made the political system see them as human beings, which was not something that people saw before. Like human rights wasn't a thing in the ancient world. It was, it was power. It was right. You have rights because you have power. 
And if you didn't have power, it didn't matter. They thought the gods had cursed you. And that changed because the early church saw, they saw the people and they cared about them. And it's really hard to abuse somebody that you have been made to see as a human being, as an equal. And I think that that is the real power. That's what's happening here. And all of those other things, those action steps are important. And they all come from us taking the time to see each other. So I'm, I'm encouraged. I believe things are coming and I hope, I believe change is coming and I hope that you uh, feel that too. The end, (laughs) I committed (laughs) to this not being the end of the conversation. This is the beginning. And so thank you so much for sharing Sheila. And I appreciate you being on here. I'm going to leave some, um, suggested uh resources for you guys in my show notes and a link to sheila's podcast and anything else you would like to say i'm just i'm just glad we had this opportunity and i just felt like it was just very beneficial and amazing just to have an open dialogue and that's all i want for america is to be able to just talk openly without feeling ridicule or not believe, whether it's from the victims or whether it's from the officers. We just need to talk. Well, thank you. And I'm honored that you came on my podcast and I got to share a little bit of your story. So thank you so much for doing that for me and for all of us. (laughs) You're more than welcome. Thanks for the support.